This is the primal scream of a dying regime. Pray for our enemies, because we're going medieval on these people. You're just not got a free shot on all these networks lying about the people. The people have had a belly full of it. I know you don't like hearing that. I know you try to do everything in the world to stop that, but you're not going to stop it. It's going to happen. And where do people like that go to share the big lie? MAGA media. I wish in my soul, I wish that any of these people had a conscience. Ask yourself, what is my task and what is my purpose? If that answer is to save my country, this country will be saved. War Room. Here's your host, Stephen K. Bath. You think uh, there is any lack of will? Do you sense that? You were just up on Capitol Hill. Yeah, so, so I, just, I just talked to Lindsey Graham, I talked to Mitch uh, McConnell, uh, Kevin McCarthy, Speaker McCarthy, uh, 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 loads of others. You know, I find uh, there's a massive amount of bipartisan support. And look, I want to pay tribute to the Biden administration, uh, what they did, uh, what Joe did, what Joe Biden did, okay. what all his uh, people did. I've already heard enough. It's Wednesday, uh, 1 February, year of over 2023. That's uh, Boris Johnson with Brett Baer last night. Um, we are honored to have in studio Senator uh, J.D. Vance of Ohio. Senator Vance, uh, thank you so much. Uh, as you know, this audience, uh, I would say, is uh, uh, big fans of yours, right? Big supporters. And here's what's interesting. you got Boris Johnson there, and he's talking about, just got, I'm on Capitol Hill. Uh, I've seen nothing but massive support from the U.S. Senate particularly picked out uh, Mitch McConnell and Lindsey Graham as massive support. On the same day, and this came up last night, I think, online, but this morning, one of the most important pieces, I'm quite frankly kind of shocked that G. Joe and the guys at the Wall Street Journal, <laughs> Trump's best foreign policy, not starting any wars. Now, there's twofold here. The, the headline today is you're endorsing, I guess, President Trump That's right. out of the box, and, and you lay out this case, but there's uh, there's... A lot here I want to cover. So let's get the, you're endorsing President Trump. That's right. Endorsing President Trump, obviously his support was very helpful to us in both the primary and the general election in Ohio. Um, but importantly, the case that I lay out here is it's really about policy. And in particular, you know, we often talk about Trump's domestic policy achievements, but the foreign policy is the most important part because that's where the blob is most corrupt. That's where they're most wrong. And that's where they're most destructive. If you think about... I, th I think the mainstream media tells me all the time that... Uh, you know, he was dangerous. Uh, he's Absolutely. not, he's not uh, statesmanlike, as you mentioned in your article. Uh, he's uncouth. Um, you know, MSNBC, CNN, Fareed Zakara, you know, they, 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 it's pearl clutching nonstop about his style, sir. It, it, and it's, they're obsessed with his style at the very same time that his substance is actually the most cautious and the most careful foreign policy we've had in this country in a generation. I mean, just think about this. From my perspective, Steve, I graduated from high school in 2003 and listed the United States Marine Corps. George W. Bush was president. Since I've been an adult, you had two separate two-term administrations, Bush and then Obama, start four separate wars, none of which were successful for this country. Trump comes in and actually one starts to decouple from China, another great foreign policy achievement. Uh, but more importantly, he doesn't start any new conflicts, and he starts the process of diplomacy with these regimes that people said, you can't talk to these guys. And Trump came along and said, well, why can't you talk to him? It's sure as hell better than letting us completely stagnate our relationship with these regimes and potentially lead to further conflict down the road. So I think what, what, what he accomplished there is actually the most important part of his presidency. And by the way, it's why they hate him the most. If you really go to this, 
this is why the DC establishment hates the guy because they make a lot of money from broken American foreign policy. If we can fix it, we'll save a lot of American lives. We'll also empty their pocketbooks. By the way, to, to support that, <clears throat> last night Fried Zakhar is on with Wolf Blitzer after Jake Tapper does this interview with uh, Netanyahu, <clears throat> and they say about the Arab nations not really supporting the Palestinian state anymore because of the Abraham Accords. Exactly. And, nobody, and, and by the way, they did the entire segment and never mentioned Trump's name and never, mentioned, never mentioned Abraham Accords. Um, so President Trump – and here's the thing I think is so important. I want to reiterate this. You have a very close personal relationship with sure. President Trump. He thinks very highly of you. But your endorsement here is not just Trump the man. That's part of it. And somebody can deliver. He said peace. But sure. it's what Trump, America first, and his policies. Yeah, that's exactly right. I want to go back to something you said about uh, – about you know we have all these people who are obsessed with Trump style, right? Trump is careless. He's reckless. He doesn't say the right things. And yet all the people who for a generation supposedly say the right things have presided over one disaster after another. Why is it that America is so good at training people who are very – very careful in what they say. They stand up and they, they throw out slogans about freedom and democracy and all these other things. And yet, when it comes to actually supporting freedom and democracy here at home, when it comes to not getting us involved in disasters, they fail miserably. That, to me, is the biggest takeaway. And it, it suggests there's something, Steve, broken about America's elites and how we train our elites. Well, you went to, I mean, you're a working class kid, but you uh, went to went to Yale. You've seen it, but I want to make sure Denver has this up on screen. We're going to put it in all the chat rooms. We need this um, uh, opinion piece, a really analysis, by a Senator Vance in the journal, read by everybody and pushed out. You've got a quote in here. Um, why is it the people in the United States, the U.S. trains for leadership are so careful with their words, yet so reckless with their actions? What do you mean by that, sir? Well, what I mean by that is that we have an entire apparatus, all of our elite universities, fellowships at the State Department, at the Pentagon. These things train America's smart young people for leadership. And what I've seen is a lot of these guys, they are smart, but they become reckless and they become boring and conventional. And right now, boring, conventional, and reckless go all hand in hand in the American foreign policy establishment. Nobody is asking. I mean, this is really about Ukraine because that's the major foreign policy crisis of the time. Nobody is asking. Asking, what does this look like if we keep escalating? Why is it Boris Johnson is on Fox News this morning talking about the importance of the Ukraine war when his own people can't afford food? What the hell is the guy and, doing? And, 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 what are we talking about? And we had Dave Walsh on here yesterday. The, the air pollution is back to uh, Dickens' era because they're burning wood and coal and stoves in London. I want to continue on the <laughs> notes. By the way, your staff, your crack staff is here. I don't, I, I don't, I don't think Boris Johnson's on your dance card today. I, don't think, <laughs> I, 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 don't I doubt think. he is. I doubt he is. Um, you say, but here's – talk about these catastrophes. I prefer – that would be Senator Vance – a different kind of statesmanship. One that stands athwart the crowd, reminding leaders in both parties that the, United, the U.S. national interest must be pursued ruthlessly, but also carefully, with strong words, but great restraint. What do you mean by that? Well, let's, let's, let's just compare and contrast Donald Trump with John Bolton, a person very well respected in the D.C. foreign policy establishment, who, as far as I can tell, his main foreign policy objective is to start a nuclear war with half the nations in the world. 
right? This guy is respected and Donald Trump is the reckless one. This is crazy. We've totally inverted and turned upside down basic wisdom and basic caution in our foreign policy. Look, I'm, I'm, I don't even think of myself as a quote, non-interventionist. I'm a realist. I want to ruthlessly pursue America's interests. And this war in Ukraine is not in America's interest. Let's bring this thing, slow it down, de-escalate it and get back to an America first foreign policy. I think policy. also the, the power of this too is that you've been there. You, you enlisted in the Marine Corps. That's you right. were forward deployed into Iraq. You, you've, seen the, you've seen what goes on. You see how decisions are made. You see what happens to these countries. You see when it's not thought through. When, when you talk about the people at Princeton and Harvard and Yale and Georgetown and all the cocktail parties. Absolutely. Man, I, I, I bought it. I remember when I was in Iraq, I read this book by Natan Sharansky called The Case for Democracy. Very good book, actually, but it lays out the case of how we're going to transform uh, Baghdad into like Ohio, right? Jeffersonian and Jeff Democrats. Jeffersonian Democrats. Yeoman, Yeoman Democrats. <laughs> <laughs> and I remember being in Iraq and thinking to myself, you know, doing security for the Iraqi poll workers and thinking, these people don't want Jeffersonian democracy. Why the hell are we trying to force it down their throats? And why are we spending America's best and brightest to do it? It doesn't make any sense, but again, that's what passes. That's what passes for statesmanship in 2023 in Washington, D.C., is throwing America's best and brightest at fake problems and problems we're never going to solve. Let's talk about this Ukraine problem because you've had – now you've got battle tanks. We never had a national debate about that. Next thing you know, yep. we're given battle tanks. They got – on the 80th anniversary of the, the German army surrendering at, at Stalingrad, you got, you got German tanks with iron crosses going to go across the border. <laughs> now all of a sudden it's F-16s, and you know this. When you give them tanks – that's not just a, a weapons platform. It's a different type of war. That's They're right. talking about ta taking back Crimea. The escalation here is, is, is incredible. Is it time for the Senate or some, a couple of people stand up and say, force Biden to come with a war powers resolution and lay out the plan, lay out the objectives, lay out the strategy, what we're prepared to do? And then let's vote. Yeah, I think it's exactly time to do that. And that's one, something I plan to work on over the next few months. But think about this, Steve. If Ukraine is as important as the Biden administration and way too many Republicans say it is, then why isn't Europe stepping up and doing its job? Why are we footing the majority of this bill even today? The argument often made is that if Putin marches through Ukraine, then that he won't stop until he reaches Berlin. Well, number one, isn't that the problem of the Germans? And number two, the Germans sure as hell aren't acting like they're worried about Vladimir Putin. Why are we so worried about what he can do instead of worrying about our own national interest? When, compare and contrast this to the defense of Taiwan right now. And the Absolutely. Concern of that. What, what, what is your sense of that? It's, it's night and day because Taiwan is such a critical part frankly, because of mistakes that you were warning about 30 years ago, we offshored our entire computer chip supply chain to East Asia. China's much more an, an important foe, and Taiwan's a much more important part for us strategically. Another point here, Steve, the Biden administration is telling us, they're sounding the alarm that we are spinning down our munitions such that we're going to have to choose between arming the Ukrainians or arming our own troops. What happens, God forbid, if the Chinese invade Taiwan? Can we even invade Taiwan with our defense and industrial capacity where it is right now. I don't know the answer to that, but I don't, I don't like the fact that it's uncertain. The Financial Times today says Brussels pressed to rein in promises fueling Ukraine's fast track to EU hopes. People are hearing you, yeah. right? People are hearing you and they know they got to dial down the EU. They got to stop being in Russia's face. You got to yes. dial down the EU and you have to dial down the NATO aspects. The Europeans are being more cautious about this than the Americans are. And that's why say is that? A lot. Why is the Biden regime? Why is Victoria Nuland? Victoria Nuland is there yesterday. She's there yesterday with Rand Paul 
and they're talking about war crimes trials from Putin. Well, Victoria Newland, as far as I can tell, is the most bloodthirsty person in the in the entire Defense Department apparatus. So I think that we know the answer on her. But look, the the, the why is Europe being more cautious about this? Because they recognize the risks of escalation. If this thing spills over, you're going to have untold death and destruction. God forbid it could become a nuclear war. Look at the inflation rate in Central and Eastern Europe. Every single country in Central and Eastern Europe has sky-high inflation. These people can't afford to eat, and we're talking about continuing to escalate this war. It's complete insanity. The reason you're such a, uh, a fresh new, not just voice, but, but uh, kind of angle of attack, is the people in Ohio, you, 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 you connected with these folks. What do the people in Ohio think about this entire situation, that the economy – what, what Biden's doing and tie it to, to, the, to the national security aspects. I, I hear mixed views from the people of Ohio, right? Most people probably agree with my view. They don't know why this is such a main focus. Even if they, you know, look, a lot of people have a lot of sympathy for the Ukrainians, that the country should not have been invaded. And a lot of yeah. people in Ohio feel that uh, very personally. you got a lot, a big Ukrainian population in Ohio. But I think even people who are sympathetic with the plight of the Ukrainians like I am, they don't think that this is America's main concern. Uh, there's obviously the border dynamic to this, where we have a completely open American southern border, and yet we have a bipartisan consensus that a border 6,000 miles away is the most important thing for our country. Uh, it, it's, it's definitely a lot of us are looking around and saying, what the hell are we really focused on? Shouldn't our American government do America's job? How do people get to you? You endorsed uh, President Trump today in 2024. How do people right. get to you, find out more about you? Well, they can go to our Senate office. Um, they can go to my personal website, jdvance.com. Obviously, I'll keep on uh, talking talking to you and your audience. Um, and, and look, just, just people got to stay in the fight here. Uh, if we're going to win in 24, it is going to take a grassroots army, the likes of which we've never seen. They're not going to let 2016 happen again. It crept up on them. 2024 is going to take more energy, more passion. People got to stay involved, keep more their fun. powder dry, but it's going to be a big fight. But this is the reason that J.D. Vance is in the United States Senate, okay? I'm telling you. You, you saw that from that speech you gave at Claremont back in 21 before you even jumped in there. This, is, um, this has got their attention, not just on Capitol Hill. This has got their attention in capitals in Europe, which is exactly what we need. Senator Vance, honored to have you on here. Breaking news, uh, the FBI has just raided. It looks like it just raided Biden's beach house. We're going to get to all of that when we uh, when we get back. Short commercial break. I want to thank Senator Vance for being here, Thanks, stepping Steve. into the war room. And uh, we're going to take a short commercial break. Steve Cortez, we're going to assess, give some overview about Senator J.D. Vance's endorsement of Donald J. Trump, talk about this new breaking news of the FBI at the beach house of Joe Biden. Short commercial break. Be back in a moment. Will the lack of a red wave during the midterms lead to a more emboldened Biden, more wasteful government spending, higher taxes, a deepening of inflation? And how do you protect your hard-earned savings from chaotic financial markets? The answer, by diversifying your retirement savings with real physical precious metals with Birch Gold Group. Text Bannon to 989898 for a free info kit on protecting your savings with gold in a tax-sheltered account. 
Birch Gold has almost 20 years' experience converting IRAs and 401ks into precious metal IRAs. Text Bannon to 989898 and claim your free, no-obligation info kit. Don't let the left devalue your savings. Own physical gold and silver in a tax-sheltered retirement account from Birch Gold. Birch Gold has an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau and thousands and thousands of satisfied customers. Text Bandit to 989898 and secure your future with gold. Do it today. Take action. Use your agency. Here's your host, Stephen K. Bannon. Okay, welcome back. Uh, there is breaking news. There has been an FBI uh, raid. I guess uh, since he was invited, they were invited, uh, and they could process and throw out all the Hunter stuff beforehand. <laughs> Maybe it's not a raid. Let me go to Steve Cortez. Steve, I want to talk about JD. You were absolutely essential uh, in the primary and the general, but in the primary, that very tough primary of helping uh, JD get over the top. And this is everything you and I talked about of uh of accomplishing i mean just incredible but what's your what's your assessment of this uh fbi quote-unquote raid onto uh in biden's beach house of which right you should know it for the war room posse you understand we talked about this like the day after they announced first thing and said hey have they gone to the beach house is the fbi gone have, have they gone to the university of delaware you know have they gone to right. hunter's house uh steve cortez well, you know, look, there's never one cockroach, right? Uh, you turn the light on and you see one. It's not the only one, right? And that's, uh, I think, very relevant and true here. And you're exactly correct, though, too, Steve. It's not just his residences. You know, I think it's his full set of papers, right, his full document file um, that needs to be at both University of Delaware as well as at Penn that needs to be investigated here. So, you know, this is obviously an ongoing story, uh, continues to be incredibly alarming. And remember, you know, the, the corporate media keeps trying to gaslight the American people and say, oh, there are differences here, meaning that Biden's situation is not as is not as bad as Trump's. The inverse, of course, is true because President Trump, as president of the United States, has the legal unitary power to declassify whatever he wants, whenever he wants. None of that power rested in certainly not in Senator uh, Joe Biden, nor in Vice President Joe Biden. And yet we know these papers go all the way back to his senatorial days, up through his vice presidential days. So, you know, once again, it's a, another troubling revelation, not surprising from somebody who really personifies permanent Washington. Remember, Joe Biden was elected to the Senate in 1972. Okay, we are now past a half century mark of this man operating in the Washington sewer and doing so largely for his own benefit and the benefit of his family, which acted a lot more like a cartel than a legitimate family. Um, you very early on, and for the audience, uh, you know, J.D.'s a beloved character, but so are you. And here's one of the things that Cortez is um, great about picking talent, but it's particularly about talent that stands for something. And you saw this in J.D. Vance very early on and gave up so much of your time to do that. When you see this Wall Street Journal piece, quite frankly, I'm shocked. I am kind of shocked the Wall Street Journal published this. Paul Gijot, because right. the Wall Street Journal op-ed section is – is the is the uh, thought center of the neocons, is it not, uh, uh, right. Steve Cortez? Give us your thought about this piece and tie it back to what you saw in J.D. And you went around sure. Ohio with him nonstop barnstorming in that amazing three-week run-up to the primary. Yeah, listen, uh, thrilled to see J.D. Vance in the United States Senate. 
uh, and so far operating just as we all believed and hoped that he would, as a patriotic populist advocate, as a real America first fighter. One of the things that I saw in him uh, earliest, and, and thankfully the people of Ohio saw in him, uh, is that he is willing to buck the establishment, even though he is extremely close to the establishment because of his life experiences, right? Because he is this amazing Horatio Alger story, somebody who came from a troubled home, uh, but found his way largely through the love of a devoted grandmother in the U.S. Marine Corps, found his way all the way to Yale Law School, and then significant success in business, a lot of fame because of his book and the subsequent movie about his book, Hillbilly Elegy. So he's somebody who was intimately aware and conversant with the establishment, yet rejected the precepts of the establishment and saw, I think largely because he had lived in some ways these two separate lives, saw uh, the the pain and the, and the agony that was inflicted upon regular working class Americans by the ruling class for their own self-aggrandizement. So I saw in him, you know, the perfect person in terms of both his character and life experiences, but then also in terms of the policy applications, the fact that he was willing to stand up and say, wait a minute, is, is intervening in Ukraine, is escalating this war really in American interest? He was willing to say that way before it was popular. Now, I think it is getting to be a much more accepted uh, uh, ideal in American life right now, and certainly at least on the political right. But it was a very lonely position. There were only a few people there, Steve. You were one of them. J.D. Vance was one of them in those very early days. And of course, both of you, as former officers of this country, people who have worn the uniform of the United States, risked your lives to defend our freedom. Both of you uh, had authority even beyond other political analysts when you said, wait a second, uh, does this march toward escalation really serve the interest of the United States? So that's really mainly what attracted me about him, other than his personal life story, uh, his character. And I was, I'm absolutely honored and thrilled to have played a supporting role in getting him elected. And by the way, there are others like him, thankfully, in the U.S. Senate. There's a crop of young patriotic populists who I think are starting to change that body. People like Katie Britt uh, and Senator Schmidt from Missouri. I hope there's going to be more added to those ranks. I think Jim Banks will be one of those uh, in the upcoming election, new declared candidate who's been endorsed by both now President Trump as well as J.D. Vance. So this, this movement continues to grow. And you know, a lot of us uh, in, in the movement, in the America First movement, we understandably get very, uh, very uh, frustrated with, with particularly the Senate. When you see people like Lindsey Graham, these kinds of globalist corporatists, obviously Mitch McConnell, uh, the frustration is palpable at times and very understandable. Uh, but let's also uh, take solace and be encouraged by the fact that there are young patriotic populists who are already there or I think on their way there in the election in 2024 and that our movement is still very young. In the case of J.D. Vance, literally young, uh, but also young as a political movement. Um, I, I want to go, you, you, people should know Cortez is not just a capital markets guy, but, um, one of the most sophisticated people about narrative and political messaging is the reason he was first brought on as a, as a Trump surrogate into the Trump campaign back in 15 and 16, because of his understanding of this. I want to go through, I want to stick to Ukraine, but Steve, you got to help me out here. Uh, you know, all of a sudden out of nowhere, it, these main battle tanks were everything. And it kind of came like, boom, like a summer storm right. all of a sudden, Germany's committing tanks, uh, you know, America's committing tanks, which means a whole new in the war. All of a sudden you started here. Yeah, this is all for a major offensive. They're going to totally pivot major offensive, kind of maybe give up Bakhmut, the siege there, pivot of summer in the spring, massive offensive uh, war, maneuver warfare, combined arms uh, to Crimea. And then they go, oh, by the way, we're going to need combat air patrol for that closer. So we need F-16s. So then F-16s became a thing. This is just a couple of days ago. And of course, my favorite headline 
you know, Lockheed announces, Lockheed announces they're, they're starting production on F-16s even without a purchase order. So everything's go. Then all of a sudden Biden, no, uh, well, maybe no F-16s. Then today you look at the Mac Daddy and if Denver could put that up on, on Drudge, all of a sudden out of nowhere, now you see what we've been saying is going to happen. But now all of a sudden there's a story. Oh, well, you know, the Russians are actually massing, I don't know, 700,000 new troops. They're, they're, they're conscripting on the border, and they're going to roll in with a massive winter offensive. Steve, Steve what is going on? The, 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 they're, they're spinning a new story every day. Give us your assessment right. of, of the narrative of this, and what's the reality behind it? Well, listen, it, it seems like they, they try to throw out whatever escalatory tactics they think will play. They see if it sticks or not, right? And, and I, mean, I really believe it's that haphazard. And that gets to the larger point here that you've certainly been making and that J.D. made on your show today of, Give us the plan, okay? Give us the plan. First, make the case to the American people why this battle, okay, this Black Sea battle, this ancient ethnic rivalry that has gone on from time immemorial, make the case to us why this matters to us and why the American people have a vital national interest in what has been a, an often moving border of Eastern Ukraine. First, make that case. Then secondly, make the case of, okay, if it does matter to us, what is the what is the strategic plan? What are going to be the tactics of the United States uh, to achieve this supposedly, in, uh, you know, massive goal, this supposedly massively consequential goal for the United States? And then thirdly, how are we going to pay for it? OK, that would be what a serious country would do. It would be what a real administration would do. We don't have that, unfortunately, in the White House right now. Uh, none of that has been done. Instead, we get ridiculous platitudes saying that we're fighting for democracy or, you know, for the ideals of democracy or that we're somehow fighting to prevent another World War II, even though the situation is in no sense analogous to World War II. Not to mention, if it were, Europe, to J.D. Vance's point, Europe should be far more alarmed than the United States. And that is not the case right now. The United States has spent more. Think about this. This is important for the audience to know. The United States has spent more than all of the Europe. European Union combined. We have also spent more already in Ukraine than the entire Russian military budget. Okay, those are the stakes. That kind of context is important. We are the force of escalation here. That that is the reality on the ground. But you know, getting back to to the plan, Joe Biden had the decency to go to the American people, and not just Biden, the Republicans as well. Many of them, every bit as pro-escalation as he is, people like Lindsey Graham, have the decency to make the case, not with platitudes, okay, with reality, with strategic reality, to make the case to the American people why this is important, how you propose that we, pr we pursue these supposedly massive goals, and then how are we going to pay for it? Because, Steve, even if I were to grant, which I certainly don't, but even if I were to grant that this is massively important to the United States— how are we going to pay for it? Our country is broke. We are borrowing mountains of money that we are sending over to Ukraine, which only exacerbates the inflationary quagmire that we are currently suffering here in the United States. The American people cannot afford the essentials of life, and yet we are borrowing mountains of money to send over to Ukraine to escalate a battle in which the United States has no discernible U.S. national security interest. Uh, by the way, Steve, we're going to take a break. We got a chalk talk. We got more on the economy, more on capital markets. We're going to get to Biden, uh, Biden's uh, beach house being, quote unquote, raided by the FBI. I guess it's FBI was invited. They cleaned it up and FBI has been invited over there. Uh, so we're going to take a short commercial break. We're going to come back to Steve Cortez in a moment. Uh, a note about uh, Jim Banks. We had Jim Banks on, as you know, the day that he announced running for the Senate. 
uh, uh, banks is endorsed by President Trump. Actually, the Senate, I think, leadership fund came in. As soon as, wait for it, Mitch uh, Daniels announced he's not going to run. I I take a a tiny bit, this audience, a tiny bit of pride in that, of coming out strong, that Mitch Daniels was not acceptable. It was going to be a very tough race for him. He opted out. Even before, I said, not the right job. I came to D.C., checked it out, you know, listened to a couple of war room clips, said, not the right job for me at this time. I'll pass it this time. So um, J.D. Vance uh, also uh, endorsed. Very important. Short commercial break. Um, we need more Hollies. We need more uh, Banks. We need more uh, J.D. Vance's. Uh, Schmidt now looks like it's turned out not going to be too shabby. Right, we'll check it all out. Steve Cortez next. We're going to talk about the economy. Maybe even throwing a chalk talk next in the war room. Fair warning. Listen to this convicted home title thief explaining what happens when he forges your home's title and takes over as the new owner. Nobody thinks that I can take their house and borrow against the house. Oh, no, I have title insurance. It's in my name or he would have to get some special document. They would call me. You know, nobody's calling you. You're living in a delusion. After I've stolen the title, borrowed against it or sold the property, it's 60 to 90 days for that person to even figure out that they're the victim of this crime. You start getting foreclosure notices. You've got four mortgages on your house. You don't even own your home anymore. It's not even in your name. Home title fraud is growing two and a half times faster than credit card fraud. You could be a victim and not even know it. Here's how to protect yourself and verify your home's title is still in your name. Visit HomeTitleLock.com promo code radio. Then register your address for your no obligation home title report. A hundred dollar value you get for free. Again, get your free home title report at HomeTitleLock.com, promo code radio. Here's your host, Stephen K. Bath. Are you shocked at your latest utility bills? Well, if you are, you're hardly alone. But for millions of Americans, it's an absolute crisis because they are literally having their power shut off. Let's look at the numbers in a chalk talk. From the Chicago Sun-Times data last year, January through October, the most recent month we have, 1.5 million Americans had their power shut off. How does that compare in context? Well, for electricity shutoffs, up 29% over the prior year. For natural gas, up 76% over the prior year. And this stunning number may get even worse soon because prices are spiking. For example, in California right now, according to the utility SoCal Gas, typical winter heating bill has gone from $130 a month last year to $315 a month this year, a rise of 142%. This reality is simply unaffordable for many, many Americans. It's a consequence of Biden's war on American energy and the exorbitant borrowing and spending of the Washington Uniparty. We're counting on the GOP House to hold the line. Okay, today, uh, two things. Steve Cortez is going to be a meeting at the White House uh, with Biden and Kevin McCarthy, uh, kind of started right. all off. And there's also going to be the Federal Reserve this afternoon. Give us your assessment, though, um, of uh, just walk through. And by the way, Dave Walsh is going to join us. Our energy expert is going to join us in the six o'clock show. And we're going to go into details on this energy situation. Uh, but, Steve, walk through where the economy is right now for working class uh, right. And middle class Americans. I reported out the other day, 65% or 70% of Americans couldn't put together a thousand bucks 
if they had right. an emergency, a super emergency with the kids or something. They couldn't put their hands on $1,000 in cash. 70% of the American people, sir. Right. You know, Steve, the reality is, and you would never know this from corporate media, but the reality is for working class people, we are in a very deep recession, if not a depression. And that's not my opinion. That may sound alarmist, but that's what the numbers reveal, like the numbers that I just showed there in the chalk talk. And by the way, uh, I'm being very careful there because I always cite things. I always make sure that my data is correct. The actual number is probably worse than that because only 30 states out of the 50 states actually report this data. And again, we only have that data through October. So the reality is probably closer to about 2 million households, not people, 2 million households in the United States had their power shut off last year. And it's only going to get worse, Steve, because there was, of course, a moratorium on power shutoffs during the pandemic, and that saved a lot of people, but that is no longer the case. Uh, so the reality on the ground for working class people right now, Steve, and we know this because of credit card debt, uh, is that they simply are, they are struggling simply to stay afloat. And by the way, to further prove my point, and again, let's use some data and, and evidence to back this up. The Wall Street Journal actually just in a couple of days ago published an article, the U.S. consumer is starting to freak out. Not a term that you normally see from the Wall Street Journal, uh, but the journal is exactly correct here. And if we can go to slide number one, chart number one, as evidence of that, of the consumer freaking out, credit card balances up 15% in the third quarter. And according to the New York Fed, that is the largest increase in credit card balances in two decades. And this is also key. In the Wall Street Journal, uh, a paper I don't often agree with, they did very good reporting here. They also said tens of millions of Americans, and this is a key point, are going to have to start resuming making payments on student loans later this year. So Steve, think about the fact that a lot of folks could get away with not paying the utility bills and still keep the power on, okay? That has ended. Also, millions of Americans have not paid student loans now in almost three years, and they're going to have to start paying student loans. In addition to that, Steve, we know that the job market is deteriorating fast. That is always the last indicator that we are going into a recession because employers, thankfully, are reticent to lay people off. They make cuts other places first before they start laying people off. And the Wall Street Journal, if we can pull up slide number two, chart two, also made this point in that article about the consumer freaking out. And they cited the chief economist of Nationwide. Um, and she said, the last bastion of strength is the labor market, but I don't think it can withstand all these other forces. So Steve, here we see this confluence of factors, right? What the Biden inflation has done to crush working class Americans, middle and lower income folks are hardly making it right now, as revealed by the utility shutoffs, the most basic bill in your life, right, that people simply can't pay. Uh, at the same time, we have the Biden war on American energy, uh, unfortunately, making these basics of life all the more unaffordable. And the result, the net net result is that the U.S. consumer who had kept the U.S. economy going, who is more than two-thirds of the total U.S. economy, is spent. That's the reality right now. That is what we face in this country. And again, it puts tremendous onus, tremendous pressure on the House GOP to do the right thing. The American people handed them a mandate, entrusted them, gave that, that, uh, that gavel to Kevin McCarthy for an important reason, to stand up against Biden on a lot of issues, but I think perhaps principally this one, or maybe second only to the border, uh, to, to restore the prosperity of the United States because working class people are really hurting right now. Um, I want to tie this back to the, to the two things today. Then you've got McCarthy going over to uh, the White House 
for the first meeting. And, uh, and remember, Biden's position is clean debt ceiling, no negotiations. You, you just got to give it. Um, and uh, and then you've got uh, the Federal Reserve uh, should be, I think, this afternoon um, on on on, uh, on McCarthy. We shouldn't be leading with they want to put forward a plan of the cuts and, of course, Medicare and Social Security off the table. We know that as it should be. But um, the uh, do you believe we shouldn't put forward anything right now? Don't they owe us the financial model? Did, did Steve, you follow this very closely as I do. We have no earthly idea, none of where right. the Biden regime is, where the Biden administration is anywhere financially. We don't know what the cash flow is. We don't know really. We got a letter that's got one day, one number. 5 June, right, where they yes. say they run out of cash, which is a lie. Uh, that's a total lie. Uh, give us your thoughts on this and how important this is for working class people about your economic situation is not going to get better till we sort this situation out with the Correct. debt ceiling and with the Federal Reserve, sir. Correct. So, uh, you know, look, good math teachers will always say, show me your work, right? I don't want to see the, just the final answer because you might have looked at your neighbor's paper and gotten the final answer and gotten it correct, okay? So show me your work, right? Any good math teacher does that. Well, McCarthy needs to be a math teacher and say, show us your work. By the way, this is very analogous to what we were just talking about with Ukraine, okay? Show us your work there. What's your plan? Because no, we don't trust you after two decades, okay, Washington war machine and the foreign policy establishment of America. We we don't trust you to just make it up as you go along. We don't trust you that an ad hoc plan is going to work out somehow for the American people. We don't trust you in Ukraine and getting back to the economy. We don't trust you here. Janet Yellen, you say that we can pay our bills through June. Okay, show us that model. Show us exactly the model. Show us the prioritization of payments. And Steve, I think you were the first person out there in the conservative world in media uh, to promote this idea, and it's critical. Show us how you are going to prioritize payments, because I think in all reality, we can actually go quite a bit past June and still take care of the fundamental obligations of the United States, meaning things like in an order of priority, First thing, faith and credit of the United States, paying the interest on our debt. Secondly, uh, things like Medicare and Social Security, that those will be taken care of. Okay, we can do this and we can go in all likelihood for quite a long time. But show us your work. And then beyond that, if we agree to re to raise the debt ceiling, what is the economic model? What is the economic model, Joe Biden and Janet Yellen, to get us back to a place of fiscal sanity? Because again, to connect the dots, my last two chalk talks have been about Americans can't pay their utilities, Americans can't pay their car bills, okay? That's the reality. The repo man is back. One of the few jobs that's gonna be very much in demand is being a repo man right now. Both of those realities, okay, your car payment, your utility bills are directly connected to what is going on in Washington, D.C. The profligacy, the exorbitant borrowing and spending of Washington, D.C., combined with the war on American energy, has created an absolute inflation inferno in this country that has resulted in real wages crashing for 21 straight months, the worst streak in all of American history. And given the, the streak of layoffs right now, Steve, given the fact that big business, particularly big tech, is starting to lay off people in mass, by the way, that 21-month streak of declining real wages, I don't see that reversing anytime soon, unfortunately. I fear you know, that in another nine months, I'm gonna be on the show saying we're now at 30 straight months of declining real wages. But how do we arrest that trend? How do we change that trajectory? How do we get back to a place of fiscal sanity and get back to a place where working class Americans can pay their bills? And I don't mean the luxuries, I mean the basics of life. Well, 
Kevin McCarthy has to stand his ground. The U.S. Uh, House of Representatives, Republican majority, they must stand their ground. And you're exactly correct. The onus is not on the Republicans to come up with a plan. I mean, of course, we should have a lot of ideas, but the onus is on the White House to say, okay, here's our model. We're going to show our work, as any good student would do. We're going to show our work, why we're saying we can last through June. And here's what we propose going forward to get back to a place of fiscal sanity. So thank goodness we do have that leverage. And look, I know a lot of folks are, are very understandably not happy with last November's elections, that we thought we would do better. And I'm certainly, I agree with that wholeheartedly. However, let's also take solace that we did win the House, that we earned that victory and we have this seat at the table and we have this significant lever of power that we can use and that we must use in the coming weeks to restore prosperity. You see, the narrative is pointing out, oh, you're going to cause an economic catastrophe. It's already an economic catastrophe. It's an economic catastrophe. Just ask working class people or middle class people throughout the country. It's a catastrophe. The only way you, st- you reverse this is full spectrum energy dominance along with stop printing money. Remember, this spending is really a tax. John Tammy, this spending is really a tax on people. Okay? And it's, 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 it's all there to, um, replace the productive economy that's waiting to be unchained, right? And that's why he continue to have this phony, uh, you know, and this is why they got to stop the, the emergency use because once you do that, all the games, all these excess payments are going to people, right? Uh, this whole thing about the student debt, not being, that, that's why they want to extend it. That's why they want the emergency powers extended. And that's one of the reasons we got to stop it, plus the fact there is no pandemic, Right. Uh, let's go to I want to go to the Fed. Give us your thoughts today, because everybody's, you know, Jim Cramer, everybody's around. Although Michael Burry last night put out a one word tweet that went mega viral sell. <laughs> so tell us about the Fed today. Your your thoughts, uh, Brother Cortez. You know, so look, I, I'm basically consensus here with most economists in Wall Street that the Fed will raise by a quarter basis point, meaning 0.25 percent. Uh, but I guess I would be a little uh, out of consensus in that I think the Fed will talk tougher. I think rather than the actions today, that actually the talk is going to be more important regarding the press conference from Powell. And I think he's going to talk tough. And the reason I say that is financial markets so far are sort of calling the Fed's bluff, saying, well, you've raised pretty aggressively, but we really don't think you're going to continue to. Uh, and I think Powell has found religion. I really do. And by the way, I'm not giving him undue credit, okay, because Powell was was either a fool or a liar or some combination of the two throughout 2021, for example, when he joined Janet Yellen and even into 2022, trying to tell the American people that inflation was, quote, quote transitory, with, when anybody with a brain knew that it was anything but transitory. It was structural. So Jerome Powell and the Federal Reserve as an institution, uh, they have tremendous guilt here. They have complicity for what they have created. However, having said that, it really does seem like Jerome Powell has found religion. And in his public statements and because of his actions in raising rates aggressively, he seems keenly aware of the crisis that this country faces regarding inflation. And so my guess is, and my my prognosis for today is, uh, that he's going to talk tougher than the markets expect. And given that, I would join, I'm not giving financial advice to anybody, but on the whole, looking at the macro perspective, I would join uh, Dr. Michael Burry of the big short fame in saying in general, Assets are priced pretty richly here if the Fed is going to stay aggressive, uh, meaning that that Wall Street perhaps is a bit more exuberant than the reality on the ground would suggest. Uh, we're going to go to break. We're going to come back with uh, Cortez. we got Darren B. Let's talk about Nikki Haley in South Carolina. Real quickly, Steve, we only got about 20 seconds. Uh, Boris Johnson's on Capitol Hill. What are your thoughts, Boris, Boris Johnson, a great uh, prime minister of England or maybe not so great? 
he might be the worst prime minister in the history of the UK. And that's saying something for a country with centuries of prime ministers. <laughs> Steve Cortez, hold on for one moment. Short commercial break. We'll be back. We got Darren Beatty, Steve Cortez next in the world. In Joe Biden's America, criminals are exalted and the police are condemned. Sad to say, but you need to be prepared and properly trained to defend yourself and to defend your family. Thankfully, there's iTarget Pro. This revolutionary system allows you to dry fire practice with your actual firearm anytime in the safety and privacy of your own home. No more inconvenient trips to the range. And with inflation causing the price of ammo to skyrocket, you save a ton of money. Just download iTarget's proprietary app, load the laser bullet into your firearm, and start your training experience. iTarget will help you develop muscle memory, sharpen target reaction speed, sight alignment, trigger function, and more. iTarget Pro comes in all the major calibers, so you can stay sharp with almost any firearm. Go to iTargetPro.com right now and save 10% plus. Get free shipping with the offer code Bannon, B-A-N-N-O-N. All one word. This makes a great gift for Father's Day and is less expensive than a few hours at the range. That's the letter itargetpro.com. That's itargetpro.com. Offer code Bannon, B-A-N-N-O-N. Getter has arrived. The new social media taking on big tech, protecting free speech, and canceling cancel culture. Join the marketplace of ideas. The platform for independent thought has arrived. Superior technology. No more selling your personal data. No more censorship. No more cancel culture. Enough. Getter has arrived. It's time to say what you want the way you want. Download now. He got defaulted in the open when he hit the, the uh, line line versus stay. He gets deported out of Australia. Doesn't get any points at Wimbledon. Can't play the Open. The product of his choices, to be fair. He, he made choices that led to that. Some of those things. I don't think he, I, I think he should have been committed to play. Okay, well, that's a, that's a debate. Yes. He, he did make choices that led to that. But that's forgotten for the moment. Okay, um, Steve Cortez is with us. Cortez, uh, a, uh, a, a, a a terrible day in American sports history because um, the man, Tom Brady, has retired officially, the greatest of all time, in the hardest position in all sports. And somebody, Ben Harnwood, today said, oh, you left Formula One. Don't give me Formula One. Being a <laughs> national football league quarterback is two orders of magnitude harder than anything else on earth. Okay? He retired. But this is such a big story. For so many reasons, and uh, right. I want to talk a little bit about Chris Fowler, who I love on football, uh, but just went went awful woke on this. T- talk to us about why this athlete, why this is so important, particularly given everything we're finding out now about the vax. 
Right. Listen, Chris Fowler uh, is a corporatist shill. And unfortunately, in that regards, uh, he very much fits the ESPN mold because uh, ESP mold, ESPN is all about woke narratives and it's all about supporting their advertisers, including Big Pharma, rather than really covering sports. Now, by the way, folks out there who aren't into tennis or aren't into sports, this story still matters to you because it's about COVID tyranny. So Djokovic won for the 10th time the Australian Open. It was a magnificent comeback for somebody who was literally expelled from that country last year for supposedly being unsafe to the health of Australians, even though he is literally one of the most fit people on the entire planet. Uh, but because he decided for very valid reasons to not get vaccinated, he was expelled from Australia last year. But not only did he return and win this tournament, he has regained the number one ranking in the world, despite the fact that he obviously couldn't play in Australia last year. He got no points, as John McEnroe, the tennis great, mentioned there. He got no points for Wimbledon. And then total shame on the United States. He was not allowed to play in the United States Open last year. Uh, and, and the United States Tennis Association, the United States government, the Biden administration, all of them should hang their heads in shame that we told the most talented and fit tennis player in the world that he was not allowed to come and play tennis in the United States because of the personal medical choices he had made. But despite all of those obstacles, he regains the number one ranking. And John McEnroe is celebrating yeah. that on ESPN. And Chris Fowler has to step in and defend the corporate interest, right? And try to step on this magnificent story and say, oh, well, this was because of the choices that he made. No, it wasn't. It was because of COVID tyranny in Australia, COVID tyranny here in the United States, and big pharma's pain that it inflicted upon Americans, uh, many of them regular folks, by the way, who couldn't deal with it the way, thankfully, Djokovic is in his own stratosphere financially, right? Not worried about his finances. A lot of regular working class Americans were who had to make the same kind of decisions as Djokovic did. But I just, I think it's very revealing yeah. to see that take. And good for John McEnroe for standing up for Djokovic and shame it, on Fowler it, it, for playing corporate shill. And, and, and you, you, Emerald Robinson, there are other heroes. This is all going to come out over time. Trust me. What went on here? Outrageous. And now we're into the Pfizer documents. The bo Our book is number three, I think. The, the collection of all the reports. And the one Naomi gave last night was probably the most explosive of all. So this is all going to come out. New York Times article on all this. Uh, I'm quoted in there saying the vax, its origination, what happened, all of it, the vax is going to be at the center of the primary in 2024. Trust me. that we, we need answers on all this. Fowler, I love him on football, but man. To make that comment right there is is pure corporatist show. Steve, I know you got to bounce, but and I've got uh, Darren Beatty up. Darren Beatty's got a new article on Nikki Haley. I want your thoughts on it. You know, four weeks before, five weeks before the 2018 midterm, which I was going around the country saying, hey, Pelosi's telling people if they take the House, they're going to impeach him. And people are going, what are you talking about? They're impeach Trump? What do you mean? Said so that's what she's telling me. That's why they're knocking on doors and ringing doorbells. Nikki Haley resigned, steps down from the from the administration. She could have done it the evening of the election. She could have waited four weeks. The reason she did that is she wanted to say, hey, I'm not with him. I'm not with him. Uh, and I was giving a talk in London at Bloomberg. Uh, they had, they had a, a conference there of all these hedge fund guys. And I'm laying down, fire breathing, you know, populist nationalism. And they, they told me that. And I said, hey, she is, you know, to quote Milton, uh, you know, since I was in London, I was going to give a Paradise Lost analogy. She's as ambitious as Lucifer. 
your thoughts mm. on Nikki Haley uh, from South Carolina, Steve Cortez? Maybe more ambitious than Lucifer and even less principled. That's what I would say about Nikki Haley. Uh, and if you think it's hyperbole, <laughs> just look at her past statements. I call her the political weather vane, meaning whichever way she thinks the political winds are going, that's where she orients herself. And by the way, I say thinks because she's usually wrong about where she thinks the political winds are going. But look at her relationship just with Donald Trump, right? Absolutely gushed over Donald Trump when he was popular, when things got tough after January 6th. And a lot of people People showed who they truly were after January 6th and that aftermath. Here's what she said about him. Quote, we shouldn't have followed him. We shouldn't have let that happen. And we can't let that happen again. She then comes back to Donald Trump, gushing over Donald Trump and promising that she will not run against him if he gets in the primary. Well, he is very obviously in the primary. And now she is getting into the primary. So she is a political weather vane. She is a total committed globalist, somebody who served on the board of directors of Boeing. She is unfortunately representative of the terrible politicians from the great state of South Carolina. Uh, it's an absolute crime that the wonderful people of that red state, the wonderful salt of the earth South Carolinians are represented by so many charlatans, uh, unfortunately. And we can get into that maybe at, at, at another segment, uh, but chief among them, their former governor, Nikki Haley. So, hey, uh, you know, in a sense, I'm almost glad that she's entering the primary because fine, it will give us a chance to highlight the failures of the globalists, to highlight her own hypocrisy, her own duplicity, and yes, to your point, her unbridled ambition that is not bound in any sense in patriotism or principle, but only in the pursuit of power. That's who Nikki Haley is. We got the quote of the uh, of the week from uh, more ambitious than, than Lucifer and less principled. Steve Cortez, how do they get your content, brother? Uh, please find me on Twitter. I'm at Cortez Steve Cortez with an S. Thank you very much. Short commercial break. Darren Beatty, Revolver. He's got a thing or two to say about Nikki. Also, we're going to start with a cold open on our favorite Victoria Newland and what she thinks about Ukraine. Next in the war room. Folks, let me tell you about Salty. It's a company that makes a soft gel supplement rich in antioxidants to help people like you and me keep a healthy heart. While COVID gets all the headlines, it's important to realize that heart disease kills nearly 700,000 Americans every year. Yes, heart disease is the number one killer every year, year in and year out. Heart disease builds over time. Hypertension, high blood pressure, bad cholesterol, diabetes, all of it affects our heart. A healthy heart is key to being energetic as we get older. It is never too early to take care of your heart. You see, heart disease sneaks up on us. You can start in your 30s, and when this happens, you're at serious risk by the time you turn 60. If you want to take care of your heart and those you care about, please go to warroomhealth.com. That's warroomhealth.com. All one word, warroomhealth.com. Use the code warroom at checkout to save 67% of your first shipment. That's code WARROOM at checkout to save 67%. Do it again. WARROOM HEALTH, all one word, WARROOMHEALTH.COM. Go there today. You need, if you're going to be part of the posse, you need a strong heart. You need a lion's heart. How we're going to do that is with Salty. Go there. Do it today. Check it out. WARROOM POSSE, you already know free speech is under constant attack by the swamp and their big tech allies. They resell your communications and personal data 
while lecturing and laughing at you. I've got the solution. Unplugged Systems, a secure communications company, has an app suite you can install on any Android phone, including its own uncancelable app store, VPN, antivirus, and highly encrypted messenger better than Wicker, Signal, Telegram, or anything else. None of your message or VPN traffic is stored, analyzed, or sold. Claim your security for only $10 a month. Go to their website, unplugged.com. That's unplugged.com slash warroom to install the Unplugged Suite. It's secure. It's private. It's the way we stay connected and informed. Get it now. Take action, action, action. Use your agency. 